All right, pull out your message note sheet. Mr. Bob, join me up here on stage. We were talking about one sentence from Jesus' life, Matthew eleven twenty nine, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you. And if you don't know the Sterling family, they've got quite a ranch-type farm set up out. And Bob texted me this week. He's like, hey, I have a yoke. He actually had this yoke at his house somewhere. And so it's amazing, right? You just have, have this yoke. So Bob, tell us like agriculturally what in the world they did with these things. Because this isn't a big Zionsville type. Like Royal Run doesn't have a lot of these yokes running around. So tell us like what, what do they use these for? I've only seen pictures, but this was... Uh, I don't think he's on yet. Hold on. Hello. Chris, we're on uh, Ryan's mic. Are we good? Are we there? There we go. Yes. There we go. Um, it's, it's, to, it's to join two animals together, usually like an ox or large animals that way that would uh, be used to plow and, and pull implements to, to work the ground. So you could picture Jesus kind of, right, I'm guessing during these Palestinian days, he probably saw a lot of fields with a lot of oxen yoked together. So I thought um, we could yoke ourselves together. Okay. (laughs) Bob has no idea what's coming here. I'm just going to take the mic from him. And we're going to yoke ourselves together. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Okay, you got to stand up with me, brother. Now, here's what I want you to imagine, that Bob is the stronger ox. I know it takes a big stretch for you, but I'm the weaker ox. I know that. Just let your imagination go for a minute. Okay, so we're yoked together. And now on the count of three, Bob, I want you to take a step to the left, and I'm going to take a step to the right. We're going to see how this goes here, okay? One, two, three. So... If you try to go the op- opposite way, he's quite, he's, def- he's, definitely, he's definitely the stronger ox here. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is happening in church today? What is happening in church today? So, so here's the imagery for you. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And he had this picture in mind. with me? He had this picture in mind. How about we give a round of applause to Bob and his yoke as we get rid of it. Let's leave this up here. I might use it again. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So we're going to look at two phrases this morning from Matthew 11, verse 29. And the first one is, take my yoke. What's the next phrase in the verse say? Learn from me. You know, everybody learns how to live from somebody. You don't come out of the womb knowing how to live. At least boys don't. You don't have all the answers when you come out of the womb. Everybody learns how to live from somebody. So when you're growing up, the most formative teachers would be your immediate family, your parents, right? That close circle of family members, guide and direct, teaching you what life's about, And then as you get a little bit older, your peer group becomes important through the teen years. And then along the way, you've got teachers, and you've got youth leaders, and you've got coaches, and you've got all these different people who are teaching you how to live. Learn from me, as they say. And the Bible word for learner is called disciple. Everybody is a disciple of somebody. That's not just a Christian word. 
though we like that in the Christian circles. It's, a, it's an everyday life word. Everybody is a learner of somebody. You can't go through life without learning how to live and to love and what matters and how to navigate reality without learning from somebody. Here's the amazing invitation of the Christian life. We can learn how to live from Jesus. Is this unbelievable? So here's the invitation Jesus says, you can actually take my yoke upon you and you can learn how to live. You can be my disciple. You can be my learner. You can enter my school of living. You can yoke yourself to me. The Greek word is called zygos and it simply means a piece of wood that attaches two animals that share the load together. Do you know you can go through life carrying the load on your own? You can. Jesus gives us a free will. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But there's a, there, you, you can go through life and you can just kind of picture this. If I just stuck my head through one side of the yoke and just tried to go through life that way. You can do that. I don't recommend it. I, I don't see a lot of wisdom in it. Wisdom to me says, if the <laughs> sovereign Lord of heaven and earth... The Jesus, do you know when we use the word Lord, we sing about Lord? Do you know what Lord means? Lord means Jesus is in charge of everything. When we say Jesus is in charge of everything, the Bible word for that is Lord. Guys, are you getting this with me? The Lord of the universe, the one who's in charge of everything says, "Um, I'll join your yoke. I'll carry the load. Like what Chris experienced in the prayer room. You know, he doesn't have to walk through his father's colon cancer alone. Do you know what he experienced in the prayer room? He experienced Jesus' yoke. He experienced the zygos of Jesus. I'll walk with you. I'll instruct you. I'll guide you. I'll carry the burdens. I'll hear your cry for help. I will probably, like Bob was doing, I will probably direct you to some places you might not think you need to go, but who's Lord here, who's in charge here, he's definitely the stronger part of the yoke, though we all can get pretty good at resisting. I can get pretty good at resisting the yoke, but I'm thankful that he always wins with his tug. Aren't you grateful for that? And that's the picture you get. Jesus says, hey, you can come. This is what it means to be a Christian. A Christian says, you're going to walk through life yoked up with Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. And he is going to teach you how to live. That's not just heaven for when you die. Christian life's more than that. It is that, hallelujah. But it's more than that. Do you know you can begin your eternal kind of life right now? Like you can live with Jesus today. You don't have to wait for like when you take your last breath and, oh, then I get to go to heaven and glory and then I get to be with Jesus. The picture Jesus says, hey, learn from me how to live right now. Pick up my yoke. Take on my zygos. Let me teach you who God is. What prayer's about? What's reality? How do you love? How do you relate to people? You know, you can learn all that from Jesus. He's a way better teacher than all of us. As great as all you parents may be with your kids, do you know the best yoke you can possibly place on your children is the yoke of Jesus. He's way better at it than we are because we as parents know how many times we actually fail. Do you know Jesus says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Do you know Jesus is right about everything all the time? As parents, we like to tell our kids we are that way, but we know that's not true because we're not always right about everything. And one of the things we model for them is when we make mistakes, right? We say, hey, I'm sorry. 
I wasn't right. I messed that up. I fell on my face. Forgive me. Do you know Jesus is right about everything? You could trust him. Last week, he is a good and strong and loving and generous shepherd. That's who's yoked up to you. Listen to how I put in your notes. I think I put a quote in your notes I found really helpful on this point. Dallas Willard says it this way. I am learning from Jesus how to lead my life, my whole life, my real life. Note, please, I am not learning from him how to lead his life. His life on earth was a a transcendently wonderful one. But it has now been led, follow this here, neither I nor anyone else, even himself, will ever lead it again. And he is, in any case, interested in my life, the very existence that is me. There lies my need. I need to be able to lead my life as he would lead it if he were I. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're going to lead your life today, yoked up to Jesus, and allow him to lead your life as if he were you. That's what it means to be in his yoke. So you get to raise your kids with Jesus. You get to go to work this week and navigate that sales meeting and deal with that difficult staff conversation with Jesus. You get to sit beside the bed of perhaps a dying or fading parent, becoming a parent to your parents, some of you. You get to do that with Jesus. You get to deal with the financial crisis or the marriage struggle with Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. Now, it's not the only way to live. You can live handling it pretty much all on your own, bearing the load yourself. And Jesus says, you choose. Which way do you want to go? Here's the invitation. You can take my yoke upon you, and you can learn from me how to live. Gang, I can't think of any other better way to live than that. That's as good as it gets. And then when you slide your neck in Jesus' yoke, and you start walking with him, what's the rest of the verse say? For I am gentle and humble in heart. Aren't you grateful that the kind of Savior you're yoked up, gentle and humble in heart? And then what does he say? You will find rest for your, what's the word? Souls. You start walking through life with Jesus, here's what you're going to find. He's really interested in what's going on in here. Stuff on the inmost place. Jesus wants to have a conversation about that fairly quickly when you start getting yoked up to him. And I put a diagram in your notes to try to help us kind of unpack this a little bit. Remember Psalm 23, the line from Psalm 23, where he restores my soul, the good shepherd does, huh? So here's what Dallas says about the soul. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances or your thoughts or your intentions or even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. It is the life center of the human being. And that diagram is intended to help us understand the different aspects of personhood. What does it mean to be a person? When you get yoked up with Jesus, he wants to have a conversation with you about what does it mean to be a person, a citizen of his kingdom living life with him, in him, through him, and for him. So there's aspects of personhood. There's your will. 
Your will is your capacity to choose. It's your ability to say yes or no. It's this freedom to do good or evil. That's your will. And then you've got this, and we've got a mind. Our mind is what? Our thoughts, our feelings. It's the ways people are conscious of things. See, we engage our wills, follow us. You engage your will to choose what you're going to focus your thoughts upon. Do you know what you're thinking about at any given moment? The freedom we have to choose our thoughts is one of the most freeing invitations you have in this life. You can freely choose what you want to think about. There are very little or no restrictions on what you choose to think about. Do you know that reveals a lot about your character? What you're thinking about or not thinking about tells you a lot about what's going on inside here. Are you with me? Because you have freedom, you engage your will to choose what to fix your thoughts upon. So David says in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me. What's David doing? He's engaging his will to say, I choose to set my thoughts on things above. I'm going to think about the Lord. I'm going to set him before me. Do you know the hour in the prayer room? Do you know what happens in all of that time? Here's what's happening. You engaged your will to choose to drive to the prayer room. You walk into the prayer room, and what happens to your thoughts? They go where? Godward. Your, your thoughts go Godward. You start thinking. You read the graffiti wall like Bob talked about. You read through the journal, the prayer requests, the quotes on the wall. You kneel. Maybe you take communion. All of a sudden, you look at your watch. You go, where did that hour go? That hour went Godward. <laughs> and what do we get a taste of? Do you know Jesus says, in my yoke, that can be a lot more than just your hour in the prayer room. That can be Bob Sterling's drive back to the ranch when the sun's rising. Wasn't quite the drive he thought that morning, huh? Had to pull over, have a moment of worship to say, that's, that's that. Will, mind, and then we have a body. Our body is our physical presence in this world, right? The body tends to get a lot of attention as human beings. It's the way we carry out actions. It's part of our identity as a person is we have a body. It's how we relate to each other. We relate to each other with our bodies. And then we outsource things to our bodies. And we're, we're really thankful that our bodies are this way. We outsource stuff that we don't have to think about and engaging our wills about once you train your body to do it. Tying your shoes, riding a bike, driving a car, speaking a language. What do you do? You outsource all the stuff that you trained your body to do. So your body just does what it's trained to do at different points. Are you following me here? Some of you have a starry-eyed look in your face right now, but just hang with me. You've got your will, your freedom to choose. You've got your thoughts, which involve your feelings and intentions, and you have your body. And then what integrates the whole thing is your soul. Follow this now. Your soul integrates all of the parts into a whole life. It's the operating system of a person. It's your soul. The soul integrates your will, your intentions, with your mind, your thoughts and your feelings, and your body, your physical actions, your body language, your face. It integrates all of that into a single life. And Jesus knows this, so when Jesus brings up the topic of personhood, do you see how he immediately starts with, if we're going to talk about personhood, we're going to start with an understanding that a person is spiritual at its core. To deal with the health of a person as only with a mind or to deal just with the body or even just to deal with willpower, do you know that that's like trying to deal with a computer in all of its different components but leaving the operating system out? That's what that's like. And Jesus says, here's the deal. If, we're, if you're going to be yoked up to me and I'm going to teach you how to live, we're going to start here in this class. You're going to understand what it means to be a person. 
to be a human being. To be a human being is to be a soul. That is the core of who you are. As a person, you are a soul with a body. You are not a body with a soul. This is why Genesis 2-7, the creation account. You've read this verse many times, I'm sure. The Lord God said in Genesis 2-7, he formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Underline breath of life in your Bibles. And the man became a living being. Do you know what the phrase breath of light, how it can be translated? Soul. It's the Hebrew word haya. I think you need to say that with me. Say haya. Say it louder. Haya. That's breath of life. God says, hey, I've got this body here, Adam, and I'm going to breathe his life into it. You know when Adam becomes a living being? Haya. I'm going to breathe life into him. I'm going to give a soul to him. And what does that soul do? That soul integrates all the other aspects of what it means to be a person. Adam is not a person until haya is breathed into him. He has a soul, which is why Dallas says it this way, the most important thing about your life is not what you do. It is who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's who you are as a person. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. You are not what you do. You are not what you have. You are not what others say about you. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. That's what you are as a person. You have a soul. Which helps us understand when you're yoked to Jesus why he would say something like this to us in Mark chapter 8. Another commonly quoted verses. What does Jesus say here? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Do you know the translation of the word life there in those verses? Do you know it could also be translated soul? So look, verse 35, whoever wants to save his soul will lose it, but whoever loses his soul for me and for the gospel will save it. It's the Greek word suke. It's the same where you get haya in Hebrew. It means breath. It means self, human person, the soul of a person. Life is suke. It's soul. So here's Jesus in Mark 8 describing what's true about our lives. We've got an outer life. What's our outer life about? It's our visible life. It's your work. It's your family. It's your accomplishments. It's what people see. It's your outer life. And then you've got this inner life. And this inner life is, for the most part, invisible. It's where you have these thoughts and dreams and hopes and deeply seated desires. It's this inner life. And Jesus makes an amazing declaration. You can actually have an outer life that is unraveling all over the place with an inner life that is flourishing. Do you know this is what you find when you go to the hospice wing at a hospital and you sit beside the bed of someone who's walked with Jesus for decades, whose body is ransacked with some kind of disease. It's very difficult to look at them in their physical state. But when you look in their eyes, what do you see? You see a soul that is so large and life and pulsating with hope and joy and confidence in God. What is that? That's the soul of the person. 
They're saying their outside is on their outer life. Whew, it's about to be gonzo. But their inner life, like Dallas said, that's what they're, they're an unceasing spiritual being, being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe that's going to live forever. That's why it's who you become that you take into eternity. It's not what you do. Everything else is going to be left here. What's not going to be left here? It's who you become. It's the soul work that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. That's why Jesus says the warning of Mark 8 is what? The reverse is true. <laughs> the reverse, Mark 8 says what? You could actually have an outer life that seems to be so uh, applause and accomplishments, achievements. You could have bank accounts with zeros and commas. You could, have the, you could have a physical body that looks so strong. You could have all of the outer life looking so good by whatever the good worldly standards may be, and yet your inner life is completely a mess. It's unraveling. There's an ache for goodness in the crevices of your soul. There's no deep-seated peace. There's this stirring of dissatisfaction that, of course, you would never vocalize and admit because it's all outer life stuff. But you can have an outer life that seems to be flourishing and an inner life that's unraveling. And Jesus says, when you do that, then you come to the place where you're in danger of losing. You see that? It's not a losing. It's not like you forfeit heaven when you die. You do forfeit heaven when you die. It's way more than that. It's you forfeit all the days in this life walking in the zygos of Jesus, letting him teach you how to live. You forfeit all that because you're just, right, going about it, solo cat, dealing with the outside, neglecting the inside, thinking it's just here and now, not focusing on eternity. And Jesus said, careful, careful. What you thought you were gaining, you were actually losing. So winter came upon us this week, right, with brutal force. Isn't it wonderful to live in Indiana? You never quite know what you're going to get into week after week. But I got a text message on Tuesday from Kendra. She took our one-year-old dog, Ollie, on a walk. If you remember Tuesday morning, it's quite a beautiful day in Indiana. Many of you were stuck on 465 in your commutes. And um, Kendra texted me, and she says, uh, hey, just took Ollie on a walk and um, almost got lost in the neighborhood. I'm like, what? She said the... When she took Ollie outside, in our own neighborhood, walking the paths he's walked dozens and dozens of times, the snow kicked up so strong and the wind kicked up so strong that it started to blow a whiteout type condition. And she said where her footprints were, it was covering up her footprints so much, couldn't see the sidewalk. She says she's kind of wandering aimlessly through the woods behind our house, can't get to our house. Now she eventually made it home. Thank you, honey. I'm glad you made it home. She sent me a nice picture of Ollie covered with snow and it reminded me that, you know, the farmers back in the old day, do you know what they did back in the Midwest when a storm was rolling in, blizzard, whiteout conditions? They would tie a rope from the back door of their farmhouse to the barn door before the whiteout came. Do you know why? Because there were stories of several farmers who died as they went out to care for the animals, whiteout conditions. They died in their own yard. They couldn't find their house. So the farmers tied a rope, back door to barn door when the whiteout came. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, it's his zygos that is our rope from the barn door home. 
It's the yoke of Jesus. We're eventually going to hit whiteout conditions in life. Some of you are there right now. You can't figure out what's next. You don't know what step to take. You don't know where that's going. You're at the end of yourself. And here's what I want. If you're yoked up to Jesus, you're in a wonderful position to let him guide and direct your next and just trust him because he's really, really good at guiding lives, way better at it than we are. And if you're here and you maybe haven't settled if you're yoked up with him, maybe you're still trying to figure out, if you're trying to navigate, just, hey, kicked out whomever's on the other side of that yoke and you just want to go it yourselves, uh, I would just encourage you to think, is that really the wisest choice to make? Because the invitation is amazing. The sovereign Lord of heaven and earth who's in charge of everything says you can come and take up his yoke and learn how to live from him. And when you do that, you will begin a conversation with him. He's going to want to know what's going on in the inmost place. And the reason is he knows your life is lived inside out, not outside in. So in the weeks ahead, here's what we're going to do with this. We're going to keep following Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, then it doesn't take much for us to conclude that learning soul care is a big deal in life. That's what we're going to do. We're saying, what's Jesus got to say about caring for our souls well? Because if that's the life center of what it means to be a human being, wisdom would say, we've got to figure that out. And then also raise up children under our roof or kids up in the loft or kids downstairs. We've got to help them not just learn how to care for their bodies well, care for their minds well, handle their choices well, all important. But we can't do that at the neglect of what? They've got soul care. They've got to care for the soul because it integrates will, mind, and body. And so that's what we're going to do in the, in the weeks ahead. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this visual this morning that you would so invite us to a life beyond what we could have ever imagined. That's probably why the Apostle Paul would write in Ephesians 3, immeasurably more than all you ask, hope, dream, or imagine. That could be the kind of life when you're yoked up to the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. And so thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ways you gently and humbly guide and direct our steps. Thank you that you helped carry the load. Thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you for being a strong and loving and generous and good shepherd. And I pray for any in the room who may be walking here this morning and yeah, I'm pretty much going about it solo. You can just decide right now. You just turn. The Bible word for that is repent. You just turn. You turn from yourself and your own ways and your sin and you turn to Christ and you say, Jesus, I want to take up your yoke. Teach me how to live. Forgive me. Lead me. Fill me with your spirit. I want to live with you, in you, for you, and through you. I want to be a Christian. You can just call out to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.